You're listening to Grit Files. I'm Mark Ludbrook, your host, and welcome to File 5. Each weekly episode, you'll meet incredible people from around the world. Each one of these people has been through the challenge of amputation. These are true stories of resilience, passion, perseverance, and grit. This week, meet Scott Patterson. It started as a normal day, and Scott turned it into an extraordinary life. In Scott's words, do what you love. Uh, Scott is uh, giving me some time, and uh, he's going to share with me his journey. Hey, Mark. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Um, how I became MT, man, it yeah. was a, a normal day back in 1982. I was working at a fish cannery. So uh, we take the fish from the boats and we um, unload them. But that day I had to work at the ice house. And the ice house is what we use to cover the fish just to keep them fresh. And um, that meant chipping away at ice and sending it down this auger. And the auger is like a big drill that you um, put the ice in and it crushes it. Anyway, um, I was chipping away at some ice and my foot slipped and my foot got caught in the auger. So um, I told uh, the buddy I was working with, hey, uh, you better shut the button off right away. And so he, because um, we were told in case anything happens, there's a button in the back of the room, there's a button on the front of the room, and you just hit that and it'll stop it. So I said, buddy, hit it. And he just, he panicked and he ran away. And he's running out the room and I'm going, what? What's happening? I mean, I'm just freaking out, swearing on top of my lungs that this asshole is just leaving, oh, leaving the room. And then finally, he gets to the, the I guess, the foreman, and uh, the foreman has some controls, and he shut it off just in time. So I was caught up in the auger, up pretty well to almost like my hips, right? And then I had to stay there a while till they had to, you know, manually reverse the auger, you know, to get me out. But I remember, I remember the firemen coming in. And then they brought, you know, the gas tank, you know, or whatever they give you for, you know, and I said, give me that. <laughs> I need that, right? And then I don't remember much, but they said I was talking all the way through. Whoa, whoa. So do you, um, do you recall the, you know, the extraction and, and I mean, actually, look, maybe even looking down and seeing. I couldn't see anything, actually, I, you know, because I'm laying on my stomach kind of with, you know, in the right. water. Yeah. And I can't look back. I think I even remember trying to tell them, you know and Whoa. thinking about you know putting ice on me Holy... that's about it no how old were you at the time i was 20 well just a young man do you remember the journey in the ambulance or getting to the hospital or anything like that i think i remember coming on the stretcher in the hospital and seeing my mom and dad there and right. um, i wanted to talk to my mom 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 come here and i wanted to whisper I got some pot in my pocket. Maybe, maybe she'd grab it. I didn't want to get caught with the pot. <laughs> she's going, she's going, don't worry about it. I think it's okay. <laughs> well, you are from BC, so I guess that would have been acceptable, right? <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so now you're in hospital. What, was there a point when you realized this isn't right? I was out about a week. They actually had to take my lat off and, and we, sort of replace my right side like a cover cover right. my right side because my whole right side pelvis was taken out also holy jeez and uh so but i was out about a week i think i don't remember a week of that and then finally i guess when i was you know coming to consciousness uh then the nurse told me you know or the doctor i forget uh oh yeah you're 
double amputee, but this will happen. And I'm kind of like, still can't really see because I'm kind of lying on my side. And I, I just went, I got mad. I went, oh, I knew it. Because I kind of knew in the back of my mind something like that might happen, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. So you can still feel them kind of, right? Yeah. And um, t- they told me, and I went, oh, I just cut it. I knew it. And I was just like a little choked for a bit. And then, um, yeah. And then, um, mm. and then I got over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess at that moment, it's like, okay, shit just got real. And I have to start thinking differently. And, and, you know, how, how did that transition go? Now you, the nurse or the doctor, or the person said, you're a double amputee and you're a double <laughs> amputee above the knee. So, you know, you're up there high, right? Yeah. Well, you know, what was your journey through that? Well, I guess what they first said, well, you know, they come a long way with prosthetics and stuff. So, you know, you can always do that. And I'm thinking, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'll be walking on fake legs soon. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't the reality. It was a lot, I was a lot higher than most amputees. Right. So uh, it just wasn't, it was, you know, I could wear one leg with crutches, but no walking around on two fake legs with, you know, a cane or no crutches or anything. Right. Yeah. So I guess I kind of just, I just, it didn't really bother me as much when I went to rehab because when I got to, you know, GF strong, which is the rehab hospital I went to is, um, (laughs) You know, you see other people worse off than you. You see all these guys, you know, I was just diving in the pool and broke my neck. And now I, you know, can't move my hands or, you know, I'm paralyzed from chest down. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going and I'm going, well, I'm, I guess. Yeah, I'm not that bad. I thought I thought, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> right. Amazing how you put it in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have two ways to go. You can either choose to say, all right, I'm going to just accept this as this is my life. I'm not really, I can't really do much now. So I'm going to just settle in and get ready to, you know, sit on the couch, essentially. (laughs) Or you're going to choose the other way and say, you know what, I'm going to embrace this. What opportunities do I have? What, What can I do to get the most out of this experience? What were you thinking? Well, I was just thinking, you know, oh, woe is me, you know, poor me. Um, I don't want to be a fucking cripple the rest of my life like you see on TV and all that. That's what was yeah. in my mind, right? Yeah. And I don't want people feeling sorry for me and bullshit like that, right? But I guess with, around that same time, around 82, there's a little big media push about Rick Hansen. And he was big in the wheelchair racing. And I said, Fuck yeah, I can do that shit. I'll be the fucking best wheelchair racer ever, right? And and then I guess that's what really I set my sights on. Even before I got to rehab, I was thinking about this in the hospital. So when I was in rehab, I got a pair of racing wheels and I attached it to my regular wheelchair and going up and down the hallways and then maybe out in the road, out, you know, outside sometimes. And then and eventually that just led to me meeting people mm-hmm. that, you know, did the track, uh, Peter Brooks and... And, you know, and Rick Hansen and those guys. And, yeah, and I just started racing. I got a coach. And, yeah, and that's how that all started. Tell me about your, your day-to-day life. How did that shift and change? Um, well, I guess um, it just changed. Um, I don't know how it really changed. I guess, you know, friends were still friends, right? It's not like you know, I lost any friends because I lost my legs. And, and um, you know, and I, mostly it's just, you know, when um, – um, People are going to do things that you can't do. Like, uh, you know, oh, we're going to go do this hike over so-and-so, okay? And I guess, you know, I'm out, right? Stuff yeah. like that, right? You just, you know, sure. you just 
tend to everything, you know, you know, that your friends still do or stuff. But, um, you know, but everything else pretty well the same, you know, um, you know, I got a job working as a courier in, like in the 90s. It went on and off till, you know, 2011, I think was my last time I worked as a courier. Yeah. Right. So that, you know, is all pretty well. I just well, find there's always a way around things, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, it's, it just doesn't deter me. I don't know. I just figure out, well, let's figure out how to do it kind of thing, right? Sure. And then my so normal everyday life, yeah, it's just, it's just yeah, it's just the same, I think. Tell me about dating and, and that sort of thing. How, how did that play out? But did that was that ever a thought for you, or it's like, no, nah, this is going to make a difference? I guess you know, at first it was kind of awkward. You know, I just you know, you just kind of don't feel confident. But you know, I just, but you know, as soon as you get out and start talking to people and that, you get more confident. And, you know, I guess I I hit a lot of the nightclub scene in my early twenties. You know, kind of you know from girl to girl, right? Yeah. And um, you know, and I guess you don't even think about it anymore. Just at the beginning, I think when I got hurt. Sure. Because I think even if you're um, out and about, you know, in your wheelchair, right? It's uh, people think, "Wow, that guy doesn't let nothing stop him." Kind of attitude. Yeah. So they they just want to come meet you, right? Yeah. And um, and so that does make it easier that way. Sure. Inspiring people is what is what you just instinctively do, and you can't even help it, Scott. That's just what this is what you do, right? You're that's right. right. Yeah. So that's very cool. In that time, you know, you had Rick Hansen. You had Terry Fox from Vancouver, Dan Wesley. Um, yeah, also. Dan, Dan came to, yeah, he visited me in the GF. He, you know, one of there said, there's a guy, you know, he races, right? You're into racing. So, yeah, Dan came over in the hospital there and talked to me. Tell me about your first Olympic, Paralympic experience. Yeah, in 88 with the first Paralympics was just awesome. OP ceremonies, you know, it's just tons of people, the, just electric energy. It was, mm-hmm. I was pretty impressed. That was the first, yeah. Korea was the first Paralympics that they had at the same venue as the Olympics. And how'd you go? I think I made, yeah, I didn't do that great. I think I made the final for the 100 meters. Yeah, the, yeah that's that's then, actually yeah. pretty great because when you think about it, your, your first first Paralympics and you're in the finals because that is not a, that's not an easy field. No. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was really cool. All right, so you you now you're you're in the Paralympic movement. You're part of that whole thing. You've just gone to your first games. Successful result. Uh, it's a good, you know, definitely a good outing. Tell me about what what happened next. Did you keep going with with the track? What what happened? Wasn't soon after that I started working. I just I got a job as a courier, and I um, did that, and then that's when I learned to ski. I guess around '93, right. So I was still working, doing skiing a bit, doing some, you know some competitions, and then '94 um, I went I went to Lillehammer. I didn't compete; I just went to watch it. Yeah, you know, and that was a great trip. So let's just say that got me hooked on skiing. And I, so that's '94. Lillehammer was '94. Is that right? Or yeah, 90, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, '94. Yeah, and yeah, then I just started getting into skiing more, and then. Um, my first Paralympics for skiing was 2002. Right. Yeah, it took a while. I tried to get in 98, you know, for Nagano. I just wasn't good enough yet. And uh, But, yeah, I just kept on competing nationally and provincially right. until then. And I remember that. I remember 98 and uh, and you just missing out. Um, that was – yeah, that was tough because we would ski together, me, you, Dan. 
um, yep. would, would ski together and he just, just missed out. Tell me about what happened after that. Oh yeah. I just, I remember hearing how good, uh, you know, Daniel did and, and, um, and Stacy did. And I just, I guess I was kind of choked a bit, but also I was kind of, it kind of gave me hope too. I thought, wow, they did that good. I go, and I'm, skiing with these guys yeah. i think i'm gonna be okay right i think yeah i think it's gonna be good so i just kept you know practicing and yeah it got better yeah yeah it, it you absolutely did and i remember your improvements i mean you you went from um, doing some good turns to doing some fantastic carving so okay so now you're you know you move on you're now on the canadian team yeah, I was on the team, and we went to, I think you went to Switzerland, I think yep. we were. And yep. who was our coach? Honeyman was our coach then? Honeyman was the coach. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, so that's Dave this year I got on the team, yeah. Fantastic. And that, that was uh, that was actually, yeah, you're starting to, starting to knock on the door then, right? You know, I think that something that we shared was the frustration of, of not getting the results we expected from, from ourselves. Because you just kept going and uh, improving, yeah. improving, and you know what was it? Was it two thousand and two? Now we're in. Yeah, it was Salt Lake. Yeah. Tell me about that yeah. day. Well, that day, that GS day was pretty. It was pretty crazy. It was. Uh, I got there late. They wouldn't let me in for inspection. I was like, "Oh man, come on! I gotta, you gotta let me in, please." You know. And then they let me in. And then I great. You got to do the inspection. And then we did the first run, and I was sitting in fourth place. Right. Yeah. I think um, I think uh, there's Daniel, uh, you know, some other guys. Well, I don't know if Daniel he blew out either the first run or second run. I forget. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, but um, the second run, I I I went down and um, oh my god, there was so on the last pitch. It was a good pitch. Yeah, it was finish. There was huge ruts in the in the chorus, and I when I took a turn i hit the rut i got i popped up in the air right and i'm going oh my god this the course just disappeared it was like i don't even see it and then i got but i just had to land it so i just kept it and i landed it and turned again and hit another rut up in there again and i go oh my god i don't know if i could keep this in control (laughs) and then and then somehow i landed it again and kept it to the end i got third at the when yeah. I, you know, I finished. I can't believe it. Let's call it what it is—a Paralympic bronze medal. So that's pretty amazing. Not pretty know, amazing. It's an incredible result. I remember that day, and I remember that run, and you know, watching you come down. Come on, let's do this, Scotty. Do this, and you know, that's the thing about ski racing. You know, it's just so you're on the edge of control. And you were right on the edge of control. It's, it's you're trying to control something that's almost uncontrollable. It's that, it's that raggedness that it may look ugly, but it is fast. It was so good. What a great experience. Tell me about being on the podium. What was that feeling like? I mean, did you review that sort of journey to that moment? Yeah, I guess I, guess I, I kind of thought, well, finally. <laughs> I mean, I was going for, you know, trying to so hard to you know, get a, you know, results in the Paralympics before, right? For a while. And, and yeah. And then, yeah, I got the bronze. It was just a good, it's just a feeling of relief, right? Just like, yeah, all right. I'm so glad, you know, I can always say, you know, you got a medal, even if I did nothing from then on, right? In the Paralympics, it's, you know, it was great. Yeah. It's a, it's an enormous, (laughs) an enormous achievement. You're on the podium. You did it on the day, which is really, 
what it's about. You know, it's, yeah. you, anybody can win it. And you, you know, you're the one who stepped up and said, boom, this is mine. I'm going to take this. The and, funny uh, thing about ski racing is like, uh, you think, you know, when you first start, you just go out and I'm going to just go out and rip it, man. And then, you, then there's a lot of DNFs, right? And then you just go, yeah. man, I've done it. I just got to finish this thing, right? You don't have to go all out. You just got to, you know, just stay in control. And then finally, when you finally realize that's the way to do it, it's, it works yeah. out a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, totally. It's, it's, it's for the people that are listening that anything about ski racing, it really is the person who makes the least amount of mistakes because everyone's going to make mistakes. Right. That's so right. you just got to go yeah. as fast as you can with making the least amount of errors and staying within you the might, course. You might think you have the lousiest run, but you know, so other people had more lousier runs and you know, and you you're ahead of them. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Just, wow. Yeah. I was just saying, but the control part, that is the coolest part. Cause you know, speed is fun, you know, but without control, it's, it's, it just, it feels, yeah. A little sketchy. Right. So when you can control it, it's the best feeling. Um, you know, you've, you've had a, a, a sporting career at the top level in wheelchair racing uh, where you represented your country in the Paralympics in 88. You then you, you represented Canada in winter sports and actually got on the podium, which is just an incredible achievement. When did you give, give that a, a I went to Torino in 2006. I reti- retired after that. Right. Okay. And then I think that then I was then I was still working a bit as a courier and I got into triathlon, right? I did some triathlon for a little bit, did some Amazing. Canadian stuff and I got I went to Germany for the world championships and I got gold there. In two thousand seven, I think that was. That's before they really, you know, um made triathlon Paralympic friendly, right? They came up with some more rules and stuff, right? And um, so it was around 2007 I did in Germany, and 2008 I did a Vancouver triathlon. It was right. World Championships also. How'd you go in, in World Championships in Vancouver? You know, I would have. I think I would have won Vancouver, but I got disqualified. These loops that you had to do around Stanley Park, I think I just went across the finish line too early. I, I should have done one more loop. Devastating. I know. Uh, anyway, oh. it wasn't that bad. So I don't know. I guess I was just a little too impatient maybe. I don't know what <laughs> Okay, it's so Dan's on over with, man. Yeah, it's just right. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's what it's like. I've never done one, but it looks pretty heinous. But you know, I did do the, I did do swimming though, the Paralympics 2012. What? You know that? No, no, no. Yeah, I was in Vancouver Aquatic Center training at this. Uh, this they had a triathlon group there, and and one of the coaches said, Scott, you know, I think you should try Paris swimming, right? And I go, I think you'd be really good at that. I'd coach you for free and if you'd try for that. And then so she, you know, started coaching me in 2011, just a year before, and I got into the Paralympics in 2012. But I only could qualify for one event. It was the 100-meter breaststroke, right? Yeah. So then I made the final on that. and got Well, I got eighth place in that. But that was pretty good. I was... 50 years old when I was competing then. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's incredible. Oh, okay. So you're looking at the 1988 Paralympics in Seoul, right. 2002. Yeah. And then 2006 Paralympics. Yeah. And then 2012. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So three different sports and four. Paralympics. Wow. That's amazing. That's a legendary result that is amazing 
tell me about your surfing. Oh, okay, surfing. Yeah, 2016, I went to Hawaii Access Surf. You know, they had a little competition there, and I just said, "Well, I, I went there early just to start practicing surfing." Did a little competition in at uh, in August in Hawaii, yeah, in Waikiki, and yeah. Um, yeah, just started learning surfing, talking to people from around the world about surfing. Uh, went to the World Championships in San Diego or in La Jolla the same year. Yeah. And um yeah, I met a lot of people and just, you know, trying to figure out the surfing gig, right? Yeah. And um so I've been I went to three world championships so far. If I'm not correct, you actually picked up a gold medal. Is that right? Oh, that was at Hawaii. What they used to be part of this thing called um Duke's Ocean Fest. Right. It was like they had a week long thing or maybe a little bit longer. And the Access Surf was part of that. And we right. have a little competition there. Uh, last year, they went on their own. And the Access Surf put on their own competition. Right. And I, yeah, I won the prone division yeah, last year. What an awesome journey. And you're just starting out. Now, you're just starting surfing as this newfound love. And, I mean, it, there's nothing more beautiful than, you know, as you know, getting up in the morning and being in the surf when the sun rises. I mean, how cool is that, right? Yeah, um, that is just nice. that 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 actually is is up there with being on the top of a mountain when the sun rises. Exactly. Except, except the difference is that wearing a set of boardy shorts rather than you know a full parka and gloves and it's freezing cold. So, That's the reason I switched. Yeah, very very cool, man. That's so awesome. You know, it's just this journey continues for Scott Patterson. I just I just love I love this. This is the coolest stories. You know, you've been an amputee for almost 40 years and your journey is just phenomenal as far as going from that, that one day that we spoke about the beginning of the show to, to now. And you're still charging. You're still saying, you know what, I'm going to embrace this, this, you know, surfing now, you know, who knows what's next, but right now, you know, all eyes front on surfing when you, and you're just charging through that. So how exciting. Um, do you have any aspirations for surfing? Oh yeah, I got some ideas. I, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way where, you know, I can be like I was looking at Mono's board. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. He and you know, a way I can be more one with the board, right? Instead of yeah. just you know balancing on it on you know on my ass, right? I just want to I want to be attached to the board. So I I got some ideas where I can you know do, and then um, I think yeah, I want to be um i want to get out of prone like prone yeah. is, you know, a lot of spinal cord guys do you know lay down and just stay yeah. prone i want to sit up and yeah. do more more maneuvers right sure. I want to go up and down the wave yeah cool so yeah so the thing is to find a way how to you know I, I don't know if it's gonna be magnets or whatever to keep me on the board easier and i can move the board wow innovation I'm gonna create your own technology yeah. wow yeah exactly Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I was talk, talking to some guys. They said, you know, some guys, you know, um, put, you know, use magnets. I don't know. They they put in their suit and uh, in the board when they glass the board, they yeah. put it underneath, right? Yeah. So I don't know that, or you know, um, I got some other ideas. I just, you know, it's just ideas for now. But yeah. um, but you never know. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, if you ch if you could change it, if you could go back to that day, based on everything that's just happened. Would you? Um, I guess not because, you know, I got to do a lot of cool shit, you know, and who knows what your life would have been if that didn't happen, right? So yeah. I'd rather, 
you know, um, even though it went through a lot of hard times, I went through a lot of good times. So I, I would keep it the same. Wow. That's so awesome. Now, so tell me, if you were to say anything to anybody in, that is going through and faced with this, what would you say? Just, you know, just keep going, man. Just, you know, because, you know, every day is a different day and things always get better. They always get better. And just, you know, do what you love. Boom. Do what you love. That yeah. is just banging. <laughs> you just, you're an inspiration, dude. And people are going to be like, wow, that's cool. That was yet another amazing story of overcoming adversity and thriving after limb loss. I'm sure you'd agree that Scott's incredible attitude and grit is a winning combination. If you'd like to learn more about adaptive sport or advice, you can contact me at gritfiles at gmail.com. I'll point in the right direction. I'm Mark Lepperg, your host. I want to thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay gritty.